Are you saying Joni Mitchell was right? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah. No, but you don't know what you've got till you know it's gone. <laughs> That's the ah, key element. So, so, I, so yeah. it's not over till the fat lady finishes singing. Until she tells you she's finished. <laughs> Thanks to Cryer Malt, a grain of truth in every podcast. This is still Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me today is the founding editor of Australian Brews News, Australia's leading source of beer news, views and opinions, Matt Kierkegaard. Not joining us today is the current editor of Australian Brews News, James Atkinson, because he, uh, as well as most of our listeners and uh, many of our potential guests, are in Nashville, Tennessee for the World Beer Cup and the Craft Brewers Conference. So good morning, Matt. G'day, Pete. How are you? I'm very well. And I'm hoping Joe managed to slot in some crickets there because I can't <laughs> help feeling. I, I'm, I'm, my Facebook feed is basically postcards from Nashville. And I'm thinking, ah, you know, wish I was there kind of thing. Uh, and I'm thinking, is anyone going to be listening this week, Matt? Because, look, I suppose it's, it's fortunate and, or, or it's, uh, it's nice of them, uh, of the beer industry as a whole, as a collective, to have not really done much newsworthy for us to chat about this week. Yeah, there's been a little bit of news, but uh, it, it, it's amazing to see how many people are making the trip over to the US to, uh, you know, the, the the craft beer conference and the uh, World Beer Cup um, judging because, you know, it's it's a big commitment to go over there, so close to Good Beer Week, which takes a lot of people out of their businesses, and then we've also got the uh, BrewCon in Sydney coming up. So uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's astounding how many people have gone over. Yeah, and with just under just under seven thousand, I think there's six thousand eight hundred uh, entries in the World Beer Cup this year. So obviously, most of the people who are over there uh, are there as as judges. Um, and it'd be interesting, actually, Matt. I um I spoke to Catherine McLean earlier in the week uh, before she headed over to Nashville, and obviously she's going over there to sort of have a look at how how they do things. She's she's um, blessed to be able to sort of go in and behind the curtain. And we should point out the World Beer Cup is a little bit different to the Australian International Beer Awards. The AOBA is coming up, um, hosted. Uh, this year by uh, Matt Kierkegaard and myself, uh, just in case you missed last week's episode. And uh, that's the the world's largest annual beer awards, but also uh, unique in that it has packaged as well as as draft. So that means, you know, brewers can put in, can enter their beers, you know, the same beer twice, essentially, uh, in draft format um and and in package which which is a great way as we discussed last week with ben coyman um it's a really good way to sort of benchmark rather than yeah the the awards are nice and it's nice to get a a shiny trophy but to benchmark your beers against you know your your peers and competitors if you like is a really um is a really good opportunity and the world beer cup does that in spades but the the backstage area um, and it'd be great to 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 get somebody on, perhaps to talk about it, because in Australia, for my geez, nearly ten years now experience as a as a, a judge, and before that a, a steward, it's often really hard to get enough stewards to to volunteer to come along and, and help out. Whereas in the states for World Beer Cup, which again is is every second year, so it's a, perhaps a little bit easier, but they do have to travel everywhere. They it's not in the same place each time. Mm. Um, but you know, you are bequeathed, if you like, a, a spot as a steward. And you don't give that up, and 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 there are ten people who would love to have your spot. So it's sort of like a an endowment or something like that. It's a really interesting um, mindset that they have over there. Wow, that's uh, I mean that's great. It would be great to uh, you know create that sort of enthusiasm 
for, for the awards over here because it is a huge job when you look at the awards and people like to knock them, but there is so much that goes into you know, having a robust beer competition, uh, like a, just the judging process and the uh, stewarding process is monumental um, uh, amount of effort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think from now, uh, what is it, for this year, for the Australian International Beer Awards, and I think we, we know, obviously it hasn't been judged yet, so we're not giving anything away, but I think, Matt, that this year the AIBA has received a record number of, uh, of entries, over 2,000 entries from 350-odd breweries representing 31 different countries around the world. Um, that's pretty impressive for, you know, this little spot down under, but uh, those figures obviously pale in comparison to the World Beer Cup. Particularly, but then again, you know, with what, 7,000 breweries in the US, they all need to only enter one beer each and you've you've hit that <laughs> 7,000 mark. So, you exactly. know, when you've got some of the breweries that are entering multiple. So were you saying, Prof, that the World Beer Cup is packaged only or is it draft only? No, uh, packaged only. Packaged only. There you go. Yeah, yep. Uh, and as I say, the, um, the, the judges are um, not just invited to, you know, express an interest you need to have uh, references. Um, and speaking to Brendan Varis a few years ago, we sort of chatted about, you know, how, how you get a spot, and then uh, it's a little bit of that, you know, it's it's not so much being – it's easy kind of getting to the top. It's a lot harder staying there. So once you've got your spot, you really need to sort of perform to, to keep your spot, but then when you recommend somebody else, you need to make sure that you're recommending somebody who you, you know, it's not just a favour to a mate yeah, because yeah. If, they, if, if they don't perform, you're the one who gets shit can, not them. So, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a really and, – and Chris Swersey is um, who organises uh, all the uh, appointment of the judges and, and that sort of thing. He's kind of the, I guess, the secretary. Like, you know, he, he yep. kind of uh, sorts it all out. Uh, is the keynote speaker at uh, at this year, at Brucon 18. So it'll be – we might um, hopefully be able to have a chat to him and maybe that'll uh, answer a lot of the questions. And um, I just think it'll be really interesting for our listeners to, to sort of see how the World Beer Cup operates. We'll definitely uh, be – and I know that James is trying to tee up a chat with him over there um, and then we can probably even follow him up with uh, some of the things he's talking about at Brucon. Yeah, and I, I, I think Chris has been out to Australia before, but I don't know what sort of a, a handle he has on um, on the Australian scene. So it'll be interesting to sort of, yeah, get a, a chat with James in general and then uh, once he's been over here for a little while and, and had a chance to, to see what we d- we're doing, um, I guess get his opinion on, on where we're at. Absolutely. But in other news this week, uh, we're going to look at um, Albury is to open its first brew house and Gage Roads appears to be on the right track. Matt, we might start off with uh, Albury because it's, a, look, it's a, a nice kind of link, I guess. Um, Albury, the border region, so the, the twin towns of Albury and, and Wodonga on the um, either side of the Murray on the Victoria New South Wales border. Um, it's a fairly buzzing little town it's a sort of it's a stopping off place for people driving essentially from from melbourne to sydney it's it's sort of around about you know just before the the halfway point it's not a big town but there's sort of there are a lot of satellite towns around it that i guess um support it and, and feed off it and we've had a an influx i guess of breweries popping up in the small towns tumut river king valley uh beechworth bright obviously um i don't want to miss any yakandanda uh wagga uh, all sort of around that that you know uh, the, the hub that is Albury, and so it's interesting that Albury hasn't, in recent times, had its own brew house. It's had, I guess, some dalliances with uh, with craft beer, bamboo, uh, which is um, attached to the Royal Albert 
in Sydney when we went. Remember, their little restaurant attachment is is under the the label of Bamboo, and yes. they they had a a bit of a crack at a at a venue, a craft sort of um, venue attached to Bamboo, mm-hmm. so it was called Bamboo Albury, um, which was reasonably short lived for a number of different reasons. Um, Beard Lux has bought. Uh, one of the main, the you know, very old sort of uh, style hotels, um, which is still pretty much an old style hotel with the, you know, where the, where the youngsters sort of tend to hang out on the Friday, Saturday night. But the the bottle shop certainly uh, is one of the few places other than Uncle Dan's or First Choice up the road where you can get craft. But there hasn't been um, a brewery. So the commercial club um, in Albury, which is – it's visible from the moon by by in comparison to the rest of of Albury. It takes up you know two and a half blocks. Um, it's massive. It's a it's a very much a pokies driven venue with a number of different restaurants and and then your entertainment areas where you have your your stars come and sort of you know perform and it's it's a fairly stars, big sort of is that stars in as in you know in, not in, not in, in, in capitals. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. well, well, let's just say that when I was there in in December uh, and for a weekend six months earlier, they had Shannon so Noll on his way. Uh, yeah, that, his... that kind. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there wasn't anyone that I actually recognised. Oh, and actually, that might have been Troy Casadale might have been uh, who's a well. I'll, I'll say a friend of the program because he always pops and pops in when he's uh, at the Ecker and comes over to to say hello he and, does. and have a few with us. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't him, but it, it might have been an Adam Harvey or, or one of those. And I thought, oh yeah, I've heard of that name, sort of thing. So that's you know that. That's the commercial club hotel, but as I say, it's it's massive. It's a it's yeah, it's just one of those interesting sort of places. So it's, I'll be intrigued to see how it how it goes. And we got a couple of comments on our, our Facebook page, and Shane Despritzer, who's a, a a loyal listener, who's based out of uh, Canberra now and does um, work with um, with Dave's events and brewery tours, who said that's great news. Surprise! It's the first given the population of Albury Wodonga and the number of breweries in the surrounding much smaller towns. As I've said, um, can't wait to check it out. It'll be interesting to see how it goes because looking at the uh, the article um, that uh, Alana posted this week, sixteen taps. I think they're looking at, at doing and making it very much sort of a. Well, it's a twelve hectolitre brew house, Banjo Hillier. Oh, there you go, formerly of Hargroves Hill. Um, so I thought his name rang a bell. They're going to have a range of six beers that includes a pale ale, a blueberry wheat, and a pilsner. But 16 taps in total, including four pines and some, um, you know, Bridge Road, King River, uh, other sort of beers from, from around the area. So we wish them all the best because, as I say, it's a, it's, a, it's a massive place and they must get tons of people through. So it'll be nice if we can... Give them something local uh, and something interesting. I don't know Albury well enough to, to know the place you're talking about, um, and I haven't spent as much time there as you have. But you know, from the description, I know exactly the sort of place you're talking about. Yeah. And they're often, you know, the the, the bigger regional centres will have a big club like that that is the centre of the, the the community. It's because it is so big, but it's also doesn't necessarily have a lot of ambience or a lot of, you know. A, a, a big point of difference. You, you could be, je ne sais quoi. yeah, you could just be in just about any one of those style venues anywhere in the country, and you, you wouldn't really pick the the community. Whereas some of the smaller breweries that are in the smaller towns are very much part of their community. So, you know, it'll yeah. be it will be interesting to see what it does and whether they have a latent demand for for their beers or whether they're going to be brewing the beers or whether it's just one of those one you know um, creating a demand for their beers or whether it's going to be one of those places that they still you know sort of get people in 
you know, for the yeah. Taco Tuesday, Wednesday's, you know, trivia night, Thursday's such and such. Yeah. So, look, it might be one of those places that that, that is aimed at, um, at the at the passing trade of the at the tourists. Because uh, as I say, you, you, particularly, um, you know, in season, if you like, so when it's the, um, you know, the, the ski season, that sort of thing, a lot of people, are, I guess, you know, go to or from Albury um, to then go out to, you know, whether it's either the, you know, the Threadbows or the or the Bullers or wherever it might be. But as I say, there's also a lot of people just stopping in on their way through, you know, driving holidays up the uh, up the guts, you know, from Melbourne to Sydney and then on to Brisbane and, and beyond, I guess. So I, I just hope that some, it's a it's an opportunity for some of those smaller brewers in the, as I say, in the in the smaller towns around um, to perhaps get a, you know, a, a, the odd keg poured there. Because Aubrey's, it's really interesting. Just the, the the short time that I've been there, I sort of sort out, you know, okay, what can I get here? What can I get here? Ninety percent of the place has has mainstream offerings, but then you'll find, you know, a little coffee shop, cafe kind of thing, which at night, you know, or at lunch, you know, does meals, and they'll have, you know, Hawker's Pilsner or you know whatever it might be. So there's there's interesting places where you can where you don't expect to get the beer. But if you're out looking for beer, you're more likely to find uh, a more generic sort of style. So we wish them all the best. Hopefully uh, it works well. Hmm. Good luck, Tom. Well, speak, speaking of working well, um, what's Gage Roads doing? Gage Roads, remarkable third quarter sales. Uh, sales volumes at Gage Roads proprietary products, because uh, obviously they have done a significant amount of uh Contract brewing in the past, Contract. but their yep. own so their uh, own brands mm, um, are up fifty six percent on the same time last year. Um, for the nine months to March, the first gauge road sales were up one hundred eighty four percent in independent retail and two hundred seventy five percent in draft. That's some big numbers. That is some big numbers, and it's interesting because you do see um, the you know, over this side of the country, um, you see the beer more and more. You know, you see it in uh, in bottle shops but you are seeing it uh, every now and then you know you see little dove um, on tap and yep you know they're, they're starting to be put in the rotation of even some of the uh, craftier venues which is really exciting news I think I, well, we've talked in the past that Gage Roads is one of those breweries that you know I have a real soft spot for because they go back they must go back to the early 2000s like just looking at the website uh, we set up shop in an old margarine factory just outside Frio over 14 years ago so I'm assuming that is 2004 2003-2004 Matt here's a question for you to what extent do you think uh, people are coming back to Gage Roads now that the sort of not the stigma but the, the fact that they are now independent that that, that news is getting through to drinkers who, who perhaps because my concern is always and I, when, I, when I speak to people outside the bubble and even some within Oh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't like that stuff. They're, um, you know, they're frost not anchor or whatever. And you go, no, no, that's that's sail and anchor gauge. Oh, and so I think there's maybe because it's Frio, because it's Western Australia. I don't know. Is there a little bit of brand confusion that perhaps is 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 starting to wear off now? See, that's the thing you never know. They were only ever part owned by Woolworths, and. They, they but, but again, back. that's the devil's in the detail, and and people just hear Woolworths and Gage Roads. I, I can never tell because sometimes you speak to people. Oh, you know, do people really care? You know, like, do they really care whether beer's brewed locally or you know internationally, or you know, um, if if they can convince themselves, um, or you know, the, the number of times you just hear something that is just not right, um, and because people have such a superficial understanding of the beer market, that you'd be really surprised if something like a, a a slight nuanced change of ownership had such a big effect 
Yeah, you look at look at Facebook though, Matt, and you can see the, the old Chinese whispers where you'll see somebody will mention a beer and somebody go, oh, I used to drink so-and-so. Oh, you know, they're owned by – and then somebody will go, yep. no, that's actually not them or no, it was only 25% or whatever it might be. But does that mean that the peanut gallery is bigger than we give it credit for? Because no, just you know, like on, on one hand, we sort of see we, – we talk about all of the discussion on, on Facebook that's sort of semi-informed, but we sort of say oh, at the end of the day that's the pointy end and they don't really – have much um, influence over the market, but if, suddenly, if if that is the thing that is driving the the growth, then well, actually, they do have quite a bit of um, thing of a, a bit of influence over the market. But you know, also, I actually think it's a it's a bit of a um, confluence of things. You know, they they won a, a couple of major awards uh, for Little Dove at the same time as they were you know buying back, and they made a noise about that, and then they seem to have got their distribution handy so maybe it's those sorts of things you know the 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 people who are doing the beer buying for the independent bottle shops or for the independent um venues you go oh actually we'll we'll give them another we'll we'll give them a go again because we know these things and then that gives them a uh you know a a venue where they're getting broader exposure you know i I suspect that it's a whole you know there, there seems to be a little bit more um focus around the core brands that just had languished for a while yeah, and look, they they have always been quality beers, but I think yeah, they, they possibly also suffer from that um, uh, tarnish is not the right word. Uh, but the, but the people go, oh yeah, I used to have that, you know, like I I used to drink creatures or I, I used to drink, but now I've moved on to as if there's you know uh, it's a uh, a linear uh, not linear, you know, that's a it's a, a stepping stone kind of model. It's like you know what, sometimes it's just just good beer is just where you find it. We have our purchasing preferences and you know all things being equal i would rather choose to buy an independent beer because that's an investment in the future of the to the beer business it's not that there's any philosophical objection to yep. good beer made anywhere else but that's just where i would rather invest but you know like with a brewery like gauge roads it was one that in in the, the very early days of craft beer it was one that you could drink um it was like it was one that you could get in brisbane so you know I, I was always excited and then suddenly it would disappear and you'd speak to the store owners and they would talk about problems with the distribution or something like that and then it would suddenly relaunch and i, I mean i can probably think of three or four major relaunches that gauge roads has done over the last um 14 years um you know there was Probably eight years ago when they launched, I was six years ago when they launched uh, Sleeping Giant and Atomic Pale Ale, and they had new branding. And then there was another time when they brought out the Cyclone, the Vortex bottle that was meant to be the Wahoo, the, the Wahoo that was meant to be the um yeah, and it seemed to have a bit of a blip, you know, when they were into. But again, that was around the same time that they uh, were vi- very visibly Woolworths owned, so. Um, yeah, maybe it is that confluence is that they've they have put a bit of a push behind the brand. They've had some notable awards at the same time that they're you know very much trumpeting their independence. That it is giving people a reason to come back and try, and, and, and it is available quite widely, which means that people who want to give it a try are having the ability to give it a try, and then the beer's not disappointing them. That's it. And look, always happy when you you know when you can get good beer. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. 
Serious about handmade beers and with an open-door policy, Brewpacks brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Which leads us nicely into Mailbag. Again, yeah, some uh, some some nice uh, emails this week, Prof. Yeah, I might just quickly read a, a one, which is you know just to cover off um, from Simon Godden, who was the lucky recipient of our uh, Bourbon County Stout bottle. Uh, just a quick note to say thanks for the Bourbon County Stout and the accompanying goodies from Goose Island. Uh, waiting for a friend to return home from overseas to enjoy this with, so I can report back on how it tasted. Uh, but the wait will only add to the anticipation. Congratulations on the introduction of the letter of the week. Great idea. Uh, sure, at some point in the future, I'll throw my hat into the ring for that as well. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Simon. So thanks, Simon, from Gerringong in New South Wales. And there again, see, he's waiting for a friend to come back because it's about the occasion. It's not about, oh, I've collected something that nobody else has got. It's all about sharing it and saying, what did you think of that? Or, you know, here's the story behind it. It, it makes it more than just, you know, a drink in a glass. Very much. It seems to be the season of rebrandings. The week before last, you talked yeah, to... Hargraves Hill. Hargraves Hill. Um, then last week, I spoke to Jim from Fortitude. Um, we've had a little bit of Saint Shane uh, Jasprizza, who we've met, already mentioned once in the podcast, um, commented on Facebook uh, about Australian Brews News, uh, the Hargraves Hill shakes up core range. So James uh, posted a story based on your, your chat and... Uh, Shane said, I enjoyed listening to the refreshingly honest discussion with Simon. The new branding looks good, and I'm not overly fussed to see the wheat and golden disappear. Just don't stop making the ESB. Um, and that, that's interesting because then we also had, when we talked about the um, fortitude, uh, Paul Pacey, he of the Pacey's Poser, um, hi team, I was so disappointed to learn, uh, <laughs> to listen to the recent Beer as a Conversation interview regarding the relaunch of Fortitude. Um, I'll wait for the official news piece on May 1st to detail everything, but damn, the loss of the Golden Ale is the stupidest move they could make. What a great beer. If I ever walk into a pub and sit on tap, I'm all, it's always the first beer I have, and quite often the second. And we I think we remarked last week that it was the same for us, Prof. But uh, in both of those cases, it's a beer that just wasn't selling. So as I um, let Paul know, I mean, it's got to be at least 12 months since... Uh, Golden was quietly dropped from their range um, in favour of some of their, maybe even closer to 18 months or two years. Um, but it slowly dropped off and Pacer and some of the other beers got uh, a bit more prominence. Sometimes you can be a victim of your own success. So you, you bring out something like Pacer, which we we had uh, maybe two Two or three years ago, we had a couple of cases of that at the uh, at the Echo, just so that we had a like a, a mid strength. Yep. And you and I tended to take a couple of those home when we were, you know, counting the till and doing the uh, the bookwork late at night after you know a fourteen hour day on our feet. And it was just the perfect beer because it, it didn't ask anything of you, it didn't demand anything, it just and, and you could come up fresh the next morning and do it all again. But it was a nicely made beer, yeah. I wonder if those are a really well made beer. And Ian Watson, obviously a lot of credit to him for, for making a beer that's only two point eight percent, but full flavoured and, and drinks like a like a full strength beer. I guess for me the thing is that you can love a beer and you know, Paul's recollection is that any time he saw it on tap, it was his go to beer. But it hasn't been available for twelve to eighteen months and he hasn't really noticed at the same time. And are you saying Joni Mitchell was right? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah. No, but you don't know what you've got till you know it's gone. <laughs> That's the ah, key element. So, so, uh, so yeah. 
It's not over till the fat lady finishes singing. Until she tells you she's finished. <laughs> yeah, oh, until, yeah. until the lights come on at the end of the concert, then you That's start. right. Yeah. Is so, she coming out for one more yeah. uh, encore? No? Okay. Then it's finished. Exactly. And that's when you think, oh, it's over. We're in the Uber on the way home. It's <laughs> yeah. finished. But um, but yeah, and and it's it's you know like we we all have those beers that we love when we see them, but we don't necessarily notice that we don't see them. And uh, well, it's also like you, you you like to see that beer. You can see that it's on top. I'm not going to drink it, but I love the fact that it's there. I love the fact that it's there, and, and that's where yeah. um you know like the wheat beer, particularly harking back to Shane's comment, you know wheat beers are a beer that just about every brewery launched with ten years ago. Like when you launched a brewery, you had a pale ale and a wheat beer. Um, yep. but, and, and even I think we've said it in, in the past on the podcast, um, Feral White was once Feral's biggest selling beer, um, when, when they first launched, you know, for a long time, it was by far and away their biggest selling beer, but tastes have moved on. And for whatever yeah. reason, those gentle yeast driven Belgian wit and, Wits, uh, German wheat beers, um, yeah. just don't seem to, you know, have that, um, following and, uh, you know, as much as people who love beer, love them. They just don't seem to sell. Uh, but I guess everything old is new again. So, you know, Porter was dead for um, 100 years or so and uh, having been the most popular style and it's it's making a bit of a comeback. And IPAs as uh, well. Yeah, we're like, discovering sours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and all of those smoked beers, you know, they would they, they sort of uh, go back to one uh, pocket. Have their um, time. Cooper's Sparkling. You know, that was a beer that once upon a time, you, you, you look at um, when you search for sparkling ale in the history books, just about every brewery had a sparkling ale, um, and it just Cooper's, uh, you know, was the only one that managed to uh, to, to keep it going. Keep stuck with it, yeah. yeah. So styles do come and go, and uh, it is very very sad. But if we're not buying them, and if enough people aren't buying them, then they just go away. Speaking of sticking with it, we're uh, we're working fairly well to keeping this a nice tight episode for our listeners. Had a nice message from uh, Russell Howell, who lives in uh, Margaret River. Um, just chasing, we, we talked about that article that I wrote just about beer freshness in the Curious Snail. He just posted on Facebook asking whether it was available online, um, and it wasn't. Um, so I shared it with him, and I might even post this in the uh, in, in the show notes this week. So he commented that he uh, had a listen on the road uh, on the road trip down to Margaret River this morning. I'm in the beer service industry uh, and would have shared it from my business page if it was a very public article. Still very interested to read it. I shared it with him. And then he just sent back a really um, nice comment. Uh, also, cheers so much to you and the uh, Radio Brews News team for your efforts with the podcast. It has heavily influenced my personal and, by extension, my business attitudes towards beer consumption, treatment, and the value of independence. Keep up the terrific work. If you're interested in having a look at my business, Beer Caddy, I recently launched mobile beer business with a commitment to serving fresh, cold, and mostly local beers. So, uh, yeah, jump on. I think it's uh, beercaddy.com.au, and uh, he's got a very... A smart-looking little van with four taps and, you know... Oh, uh, it's a van. So yeah. is it like a, it's like a food truck, but for beer. A food truck for beer, yes. Uh, backyard barbecues, private parties, Bucks and Hens festivals, public events and more. Bucks and Hens festivals? Oh, is there a comma in there? Uh, Bucks and Hens, just comma, Bucks and Hens festival, public yeah. events and more. So good on him. So I uh, know. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, contact Russell and uh, all the best with your beer business as well. Nice little shout-out. Now, um, to the letter of the week. Simon Bultman, my Brews News team, 
Like many of your listeners and readers, I'm a dedicated home brewer with a dream of getting into the industry. I happened to see a brewing job advertised in my area and had this particular brewery send me the job description. The range of responsibilities for this position was extensive and would require someone with a lot of knowledge and skills to do it well. However, the wage offered was the award rate, which as far as I can tell is around low $20 per hour. I'm a tradesman, and while I'm used to earning relatively low wages, this rate seemed ridiculous even to me, especially as I was seeking a brewer with a minimum of two years professional experience. This got me thinking about the industry more broadly, and so I turned to you. I would love to hear a show around brewing industry jobs, wages, career paths, advancement, and a discussion on what it might mean to the industry if it can't reasonably pay for the people responsible for turning out the delicious beer we love to drink. I realise that the pay rate I quoted is only one example and as much uh, may be an outlier, but I have no way of knowing for sure. I regularly listen to many different industry and home brewing podcasts, and while I've heard mention uh, passing about low rate wages, I'm yet to hear a program deal with this topic in any depth. Thanks for keeping us abreast of all that's happening in the BSA and uh, great interviews. Cheers. Simon, thank you very much. Um, we w- I will reply to Simon mm. and get his details, but it's a really good point, Prof. Well, just on that, because it, it's relevant, and I can't see anywhere here where, where Simon is, but if Simon is um, in Melbourne... Oh, it's Tassie, okay. Uh, I was going to say, because um, it just so happens that I spoke to Craig Williams yesterday from from Gabs and the, uh, the Brick Lane Brewing Co. Craft College at Gabs um, has just had the program released. And on, I think it's the last one. So Sunday afternoon, we've actually got a career in craft beer. So it's a it's a panel talking about, and, and look, it's not specifically about brewing jobs. It's about sales and marketing. It's about, um, you know, the back end sort of stuff, as well as, you know, promotions, as well as uh, logistics, sustainability, all those sorts of things. So careers in, in craft beer. It's only going to be, you know, sort of a 40-minute session, but five really interesting guests. Um so we might even I might even speak to Craig and see if maybe we can record that um, and perhaps drop that in as a as a beer as a conversation maybe for for those who can't get to to Gabs because I think the Sydney program is going to be a little bit different. That's a great idea and uh, it, it it is one of those topics that we need to dig in um, a little bit more too. But it's also a, a hard one to answer conclusively. Uh, everyone's so different because because we know Matt from our from our discussions with with certain brewers there are there are uh, breweries who pay overs. Um, there are breweries who will pay a, a specific amount in order to uh, either attract or get uh, or keep, you know, a certain a certain person or, or type of person. Um, and obviously, it's 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 a little little bit like a you know a, a professional sports team's salary cap. You've you've you've, only, you've got so much money for your for your wages, and you want to make sure that you've um, you, you're spreading it and sharing it, you know, in in the places where you you need it. And if you need to pump up your your um, you know online. Uh, presence, then you need somebody who's who's sharp on on that kind of thing, uh, uh, social media platforms and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure that, you, as as Simon alludes to, that the the beer coming out is as delicious as it can be. But it's there's no one size fits all. Even though yes, there there, there is the award rate for you know a first year brewer or an experienced brewer or, or whatever it might be. It would be a really interesting topic to um, without people giving away you know what they pay their people, um, but just sort of. I guess to give people like Simon who might think that they'd like to get into the the industry, perhaps a, not a reality check, but but just a a, a bit of a, a broad brush sort of picture of of, uh, of what you can expect. Not not that you want an expose or anything like that, but it is one of those really hard issues because I guess the the, the businesses that are paying at the lower end of the the range um, aren't going to acknowledge that they're doing that, and and you hear a lot of um, businesses complain that you know if there's a job that opens up um you know at, at 
at the larger end of the craft beer range. Um, you know, people at the next tier down apply for that. And then there's this roll-on effect where everybody moves up a position. So the, the, the really small, remote, regional, or even some of the city-bound ones who are paying fairly low incomes are constantly turning over their brewers. And quite often the business owners complain and say, oh, you know, we can, we can never keep a brewer, we can never keep a brewer. When, you know, once you've got a year or two experience in a certain brewery, you're going to move up where the responsibilities and the, the, the work is the same, but you can get a little bit more money. And I think it's, um, it, it's one of those dirty secrets of the, the brewing industry. At, at the moment, there is such, it, it's fueled so much by passion and enthusiasm that I think sometimes businesses think that they can trade on the desirability of the lifestyle around the job. And there's a lot of young people yeah. who are wanting to go into it. It, it. It's one of the things I always struggle with when with, with what we do is that if we did a podcast on it, it, it's only as good as the openness of the people. No one wants to sort of admit to paying very low income. So uh, very, very low wages or, you know, it's always justified because of the benefits or, or, or whatever. But yeah, we'll, we'll say it, it, look, it's, it's a great issue. It, it, it is an issue that's um, impacting the industry and the longevity of the industry. And it, it's, it's something that we really need to uh, to look at. But as I say, until then, um, yeah, I'll see. I'm, I'm sure the, the guys at Gabs would be more than happy to um, let us use the, the material that um, that comes out at, uh, at Gabs at Craft College. Proudly sponsored by... Brick Lane Brewing Company. I'm just spruiking that because it's the first time I finally got a sponsor. Coopers did come on for a couple of years, a few years back. But yeah, Craft College. But but they're not your personal sponsor. It's the Craft College, Craft we College. should say. So it's no... Yeah. no oh, sorry. Bell yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Just, just so that people don't get the wrong idea that we're spruiking. Although we are going to, uh, separately, we are going to go down and have a chat with John Selton um, at the brewery because it, it does look like it's a very major... Um, brewery that's being put in and uh, there's certainly a lot of money a lot of big names behind it so you know all, all of which seems to make for an interesting story interesting story so we will be uh making a trip uh, down to uh, to have a chat to them soon yeah uh, mate i reckon that's probably as good a place as any to wind it up and uh, slap this thing on the rump and ride into the sunset until next week uh next week of course we start with the um it, it shit starts getting real all the uh, the brewers and and their entourage uh, will be heading back home after the craft beer conference, which by the time this drops will be over. Um, just in time for judging for this year's Australian International Beer Awards to commence, which will lead straight into uh, Friday the 11th of May, um, the start of Good Beer Week, uh, version 8.0. It's amazing. It goes so quickly. And that's why whenever I try and think back to you know fix a date for something of having happened, it, everything has just changed so quickly. It's, it can be very, very hard to think back to a particular date unless you can fix it to something else. Which is good. I mean, you know, we, we just, we've seen so much um, and there's so much change. And, and yeah, when you when you put it all together and realise, shit, mate, we, you and I, we've been doing this for uh, a combined sort of, you know, quarter of a century between us. Between us and together we've been working for well over 10 years. Yeah, there you go. Uh, don't forget too, um, speaking of gabs, uh, you can catch up with Brews News Live on uh, on, the Friday. on the floor at gabs, both sessions, Friday afternoon and Friday evening. Make sure you come and see us. Yeah, and, and please don't, you know, just keep a respectful distance. Don't and don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't throw things at the interviewer, right? Uh, if you've got a bone to pick with him, just wait until he's finished recording. Whatever, as the kids say. Yeah.
And on that note, thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much to our sponsors. Please support them wherever you can. Uh, they make Radio Brews News possible, which uh, gives us something to do for an hour every week. Uh, so if nothing else keeps us off the streets. And for that, we thank you. We'll see you all next week. And we're out.